Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Maybe you remember an ad campaign from many years ago. And the campaign said, if you want to get someone's attention, whisper. You remember that? Well, if it's true, I will have your attention. Because at 5 o'clock, Phil came by my office, and I tried to speak to him, and my voice was gone. So I'm finding a range in here where I still have a voice, and I will use that range the best that I can. I have a throat lozenge. Billy Smith, one of my professors at Free Hardeman, never preached without a throat lozenge, ever. And he said it helped two ways. It helped my throat and it helped my time. Because when the lozenge was gone, or about gone, I knew to finish up until the Sunday that I accidentally put a button in my mouth. I assure you that what I will put in my mouth will be a lozenge if I need it. But we're going to spend a few minutes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to turn over there, <clears throat> we're going to consider a few things. We're going to finish out the year with our Sunday night sermons with Preacher Mike sitting down. That's what we're going to do for a while. But in the text that we are considering, we looked at it many times. You've studied it many times. We could, in talking about ministry, we could talk about the command that God gave to minister. And we could consider all of the admonitions and exhortations where God said, you need to minister, you need to work. And for a Christian, that should be enough. Just because God said it. But there's another way to do it. And that's how we're going to do it. I want you to think with me for just a few minutes about the value to me when I minister. This month on Sunday mornings is our Involvement Sunday classes. We'll be talking about various parts of the work of the Richmond Church as we close out one year and head into another. And it's a good idea then for us to think about when I minister, what happens? What's the value? What's going on? Well, in the text before us, I see five things that each one of us could come to understand. Here is the value to my ministering. 
First of all, verses 15 through 17. When, when I minister, I find my real self. I find out who I really am. You can stand on the sidelines of any sporting event and say, well, if I were out there, this is what would be happening. This is what I would do. This is how it ought to be done. You don't know until you're there. The real self is the one engaged in the ministry. Every one of us knows what our talents are. You can pretty well say, well, this is what I can do, I think. This is what I can do. And these are the things that, that I am confident in. And so, when I minister, I find out, yeah, that's something that I can do. Not only do I like it, but I can do it because I just proved it. He talks about the foot, the hand, the eye, the ear, the nose. When they start working, that's when they know that the talent they are putting to work actually does work. So when you and I minister, we find out who we really are. But think about it this way, too. You know the talents that you have. I know what I can do. But I don't know about the talents that I have that I haven't learned about yet. What about that? Maybe I don't know about a talent that I have because I'm not really interested in certain things and therefore I don't think I have a talent for that. But it probably is the case that every single one of us who have ever done anything, who've ever been involved in ministry, not only find out that my talent is valuable, but by the exercise of that talent, I find something else that I didn't know I could do. Something else that I would like now to do. Wesley just found out he can read without knowing what he was supposed to read ahead of time. He just found it out. If you had asked him, get up and read before the church without preparing it. Oh no, I'm not going to do it. But when it pops up on the screen, you got no choice, right, Wesley? So you just read. See, there's a talent there, but then by using it, he's found another one. And we're all the same way. I can find my real self when I am out there ministering and I put the talents that I know I have to use and I develop others that I didn't know I have. And so God 
yes, has commanded me to minister. But he commanded it so that I could learn the value that my talents can be used. And there are other talents I didn't know I had. Number two, verse 18. When I minister, I honor God. Now, I've not heard every one of the classes that Mark Eubank has been teaching on the Holy Spirit. But I imagine that part of what was discussed, or at least what you thought about, is an idea that says, well, are our talents the same as the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit in a miraculous way in the first century. I would suggest that, yes, God gives us talents through the Spirit, through His life in us, but not in a miraculous way now. But think about this, every single person ever born into this world is made in the image of God. My brother and I were having this discussion this weekend. God created everything, and therefore everything is temporal that is created. You know, there's not a single mention in Scripture that I'm aware of that says that God created the Spirit. I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the Spirit of life. I'm talking about God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul, a living spirit, the breath of God. If the breath of God resides in every single person born, then doesn't it make sense that every single person born has talents and gifts that come from the breath of God? I am who I am because God made me. I am who I am because God gave me something. And if I have been given something from God, don't I have the responsibility to use it? Well, certainly. And therefore, when God commands and exhorts that we minister, that's one thing. But think about this. When you and I minister, when I use my talents, I'm actually glorifying God. Paul would tell the Colossians, do everything that you do to the glory of God. Now, I'm not saying that all of life is worship. Worship is part of life. We've gathered together today for the purpose of worship. That's right. But every part of my life is supposed to give glory to God. And when I take the talents that God has given me and I minister with them, 
in that ministry, I am honoring God. In that ministry, I am glorifying God. And therefore, when I take my talents and put them to use, and I think about it in the concept of honoring God, doesn't that put a different spin on it? Can I not see myself in a whole different light when I am helping kids learn to speak well, when I'm fixing air conditioning units at EKU, when I'm working on asphalt for roads, when I'm selling insurance to people who need it, put you in the thing. Doesn't that put a different spin on it when you say, as you go to work and use your talents, this is for God. And God says, I put them there. God gave them. He put them in your life. It sounds pretty specific to me. It sounds like God intentionally said, this is for you. And when he gave it, and I use it, I'm just turning it right around and giving it back to God in honor of him. Sure, we've all used our talents at different times to take care of our families, to recreate and enjoy life, to do all kinds of things, and every one of them not only is from God, but in the use of it, we honor and give God the credit. When I minister, I'm actually honoring God. Number three, when I minister, I find out that I really do need others, and others need me. That's what I find out. That's what ministry is all about. Ministry is about meeting needs. That's what ministry is. When I minister, I find out that I need others. You know why? Because I need to minister. There's great value in ministry. And there's great value in serving and using what I have to minister. But I need someone to minister those things to or with. I need it. People who never do anything just don't develop. People who don't have ministry, they're not full, they're not well-rounded, they're just not a part of society in the way they need to be. I need you because you know why? Number two, you need me. It's a pretty good situation. I have talents and I have voids of talent. You have talents and you have voids of talent. And when we take our talents intermixed with our voids, we create a situation that says, I need you and you need me. 
he talked here in this text. I can't look at you and say, I don't need you. You can't look at me and say, you don't need me. In fact, he uses a very interesting analogy. He says the parts of the body that seem weaker, we take care of the greatest. I mean, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you really spent a lot of time concerned about how your ear looks? Not much you can do about it if you could. Now, it's there and it works. Good. But how often have you thought, I hope my heart's okay. I hope my kidneys are all right. I hope my liver works properly. Isn't it interesting that God, the text says, and scientifically it's true, the weaker, more fragile, and yet more necessary parts are inside the body cavity where it can be guarded and protected and cared for. You see, some people need us. And our ministry reaches out to people who need us. But when we are working with people who need us, we find that we're ministering and we need to minister. If you don't have time in life for people who really are in need, you're too busy. If you can't take time to pause, to be concerned. I pulled up to Speedway the other day, and there was obviously a young man, homeless, had a big bag, and there was a woman there with him. And she talked to him for a minute or two, and then she paused, and right there in the parking lot, Speedway, she held hands with him and prayed. She had time. Well, that caught my attention. What's the story here? I got to learn his story. I got to be involved a little bit. But when you reach out to people who are in need, when you care, when I care about the needs being met, that's me taking care of a, a weakness at that moment. And if I can't take care of weaknesses in the moment, then there are a lot of things that are missing in my life. And there's a lot of stuff in my life that says I'm too busy. Finally, starting in verse 25, when I minister, it, it creates a unity with the people with whom I'm ministering. The Bible says a whole lot about how we are to be a body, we're to be connected, we're to be together, we're to be a unit. But if there isn't a connection between people in need and people who can meet the need, we're not really connected. He says it's for the purpose that there be no division, no schism in the body. God wants us to be unified. He wants us 
to be together. But notice what it says. I want the members to have care one for another. When I minister, it says, I care. That's what it says. Let me show you. Phil jumped up tonight because we didn't have anybody scheduled to leave scene. Now, look what that caused. Well, a ball was dropped. And when that happens, people are left with a void. Somebody has to jump up. When I minister, it says, I take my job seriously. I don't want to let people down. I don't want to leave them hanging. I want to make sure that you can count on me and you can depend upon me. At five o'clock, I was thinking, well, if I can muster up enough voice to call Jack Hall, the real preacher could preach tonight. And guess what? He'd have done it too. But see, we pick up and fill the voids because we're trying to create unity. You're going to hear a lot about the various ministries that are happening in the Richmond Church. You're going to hear continually about needs that we have. You might even hear some desperation those needs because we have needs we're trying to do some things and in order for those things to be done in order for those needs to be met we have to have people who say that's my job give it to me I'll take it I believe we had four young men who are going to step up and take on a work because they were challenged by our shepherds. Here's a need. You can do this. I don't know if every single one of them says, yeah, I've just been waiting on you to ask because this is my talent. But I know this, each one of them has talent to do what they've been asked to do. And I think they're also going to find out why they do it that they have some talents lying underneath the surface they didn't even know they had. We are people who want to be in ministry. I've said it 100,000 times, I guess. I'm not the preacher. Only I am the preacher. I'm not the minister. I don't want to be the minister. Richmond Church of Christ. I want to be a minister. I don't mind being the preacher. But if we can ever keep going the mentality that says every one of us is a minister. And we minister because it helps us. It benefits us. It makes me a better person. It fits me for the kingdom of God. It prepares me for a life with God. I need to be a minister. And if you currently don't have a ministry, 
Something that you can put your finger on and say, that's me. This is my talent. This is what I do. I want to minister. I'm almost certain there's a way to take those talents and put them to use in some specific way of ministering that you can take on, that's yours, that you have, and that it will benefit you. In closing, I'll close the same way Paul did. Because this whole thing was about them in chapters 12, 13, and 14, arguing about the gifts, miraculously, of spiritual things, spiritual gifts of the Spirit. And Paul closed out and he said, I'll show you a more excellent way. Quit worrying about who has that gift and that gift, he tells these Christians. And he says, just approach it all in love. Because when you love, you're not going to argue over who has what. Mine's better than yours. Yours is better than mine. When you want to minister, it shows that you love. You love God. You love these people. And you love yourself. And that's what ministry does. Ministry says, I love God, therefore this is what I'll do. I love you, therefore this is what I do. I love me, therefore this is what I do. Because when I minister, I'm actually putting love into practice. Let's be people who are anxious to be ministers. And remember this, it's not the size or the appearance of the ministry that's that important, it's the fact that you're doing it. You may think, I'm not really doing anything. But you know what? How many times I've been to someone who's sick and who is so appreciative of a card. Now, in the scheme of things, how they look, a card doesn't look like much. But in that moment, it's absolutely the right thing. If all you can do is send a card, you're ministering. Take that on as your ministry. I know it's happening because I hear about it a lot, people getting these special cards. And the secret person doing it is ministering. And that person is benefiting others. Whatever you're doing, it's for the Lord. It's for this church. And it's for yourself when I minister. If we can minister to you spiritually with your spiritual life, our shepherd certainly will be ready to help you do that. Maybe we can baptize you into Christ. Maybe we can help you recommit to the Lord while we stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. 
Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.